Hey guys, welcome to the Stone Age Fuel Fit for Life podcast, episode three, with your host, Chandler and Dale. That's right. Exciting and fun. All the fun. 100% grade A, exciting and awesome. Something like that. At the same time. So we're excited to be back for episode three of the podcast. In this one, we want to talk about we're going to open it up and talk a little bit about our weightlifting meet we had this last weekend. We had about 10 people come out and lift, little tinies, mediums, and then bigger mediums, but no really bigs. Yeah. Dale's a 77 now, so he's kind of kind of medium big. Yeah, I didn't break any records. Yeah, he wanted to break the PWA record this weekend. He was all pumped about it, and then he didn't do it. Yeah, so essentially, whenever we go to meets, the, the warm-up always gets a little different. and. Uh, I wasn't, ex- I forgot to do my jumping, uh, essentially warm up or, or warming up extension for the snatch. And I wasn't extending and I only made my opener as a, on my third attempt. Sad face. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty sad. But that's okay. He still hit lifts. He still had a good meet. It wasn't a horrible thing. So, and everybody hit all, all the lifts they wanted to hit. The kids who had their first meet went six for six, Kirk and Mia. Mm -hmm. The other kids hit really good snatches and clean and jerks. And so it was overall fun. We supported a cool organization, Caffeine and Kilos. If you're not following them, you should, which you you know you probably are. Mm. But so we always like to go to that meet at least once, uh, at least once a year when they have the invitational because they're, they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, And this is what was cool for me. This is the first time that one of my lifters was in the meet. We were talking about Kirk. He went six for six. Uh, Afterwards we bought matching shirts because bros. Um, (laughs) champions yeah but it was really cool for me to have my first lifter in a meet uh although chandler and steph uh ran him through uh i'm the one who put him through his fundamentals and i do uh a lot of his coaching as well and that was that was a good experience for me as a coach yeah it's awesome it's cool coaching people to be coaches and then watching coaches coach the new athletes and all that stuff it's all a progression yeah so today we wanted to talk about nutrition. We had a lot of questions about nutrition and basically how you can go about approaching it in the best way. And one of the biggest problems we see with nutrition is there's no one size fits all formula and format. So you can't just say like, hey, this is how I eat. So everybody should eat this way. It's got to work. Or you got to eat the 48 hour Hollywood miracle cookie diet because cookies are bay, and you lose weight. Yeah. And that says a lot about if you're going, uh, if you're working with a coach about the coach that you're working with, if they're like, Hey, this is what I eat. So it's going to work for you. Um, getting back to that one size fits all thing. You have to test individual stimulus for stimulus for yourself. And when it comes to being an athlete is going to be different from eating for health and you can eat for health and get weight loss, but there are specific diets that are to weight loss that aren't exactly for health. Um, and there's just a lot that comes into play when it comes to nutrition between genetics um, if we're talking about autoimmune, uh, what you're looking for in your performance and essentially what your goals are. Yeah, exactly. So what we want to talk about in today's episode is what it looks like to eat healthy from the perspective of the weight loss perspective, from the athletic performance perspective, the autoimmune disease perspective, if you have problems like that, and what it looks like for how kids should eat healthy, because that's always another big one we get because we coach so many kids in the gym. And but to preface this, though, you have to know that what we say may not actually work for you because everybody's an individual and the way you work, function and mold may not be the same way that what we tell you what to do. And if we can't see you and give you a direct prescription on what you should eat, we're incapable of really understanding who you are. So you have to take this with the idea that it's going to work in a general sense, but we really need to understand you to actually have a good prescription for your health. 
Yeah, I've got a great example of that as one of the clients I've been working with uh, for almost two years now. Um, she came in. Our first goal was to work on reducing her fibromyalgia inflammation. Um, essentially through nutrition, we took six months to a year uh, between that and other hormone regulation through uh, exercise and activity, uh, as well as good sleep coaching. After a year, we had completely addressed the fibromyalgia. And after that, our next goal was... Um, so we had her on autoimmune. Her next goal was for weight loss. And this year she's lost 30 pounds. Uh, well, the last 10 months, nine months, she's lost 30 pounds. So. Which is huge. And that's a good point. Sometimes you start on one protocol and you shift and move to another protocol based off what your goals are and based off of how well you do in progress in the first goal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm going to be on weight loss forever. It's, hey, I'm going to make, we always talk about this long-term plan of success. 24 months from now, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be. And this is how I want to feel. Okay. So I'm going to start off with autoimmune. When my coach tells me I can switch to a weight loss or switch to a performance protocol, then I'm going to switch. So you have to also keep in mind that this is fluid and this is going to function and flow and evolve based off of you, how well you do or how well you don't do. Because not everything's always successful. And that's when you need a detective like Dr. House. <laughs> We're like the Dr. House of health and fitness. You come to us and we figure out what's wrong with you. And then we adjust, evaluate, modify, and make actual adjustments. And then things work. And yeah, the big thing that comes to that uh, is on both sides is being a good coach and teaching discipline and as well as being disciplined when it comes in. We're not talking about being some crazy Nike sponsored athlete and you're eating out of Tupperware 100% of the time. Simply what we're talking about is when your coach makes a recommendation or a suggestion, you stick with that. Um, and most of the time that includes something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, when you're social, go out and be social. But if you're not planning to be social, make sure that you're eating health food that's getting you to where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about what weight loss looks like from a good nutrition perspective. So when we're looking at weight loss, you ultimately want to get into a position initially of just not eating bad foods. You don't want to necessarily take everything away from yourself. You want to set yourself up for a successful plan of how you're going to eliminate the bad foods in your diet and replace them with better foods. One of the ways I like to do this is coaching nutrition in a positive light and not talking about foods we're no longer going to eat, but talk about food, what your plate's supposed to look like and what you should be eating more of. And essentially, when you think about it that way, you're looking at your plate and you're like, hey, I've got this much vegetable, this much uh, protein source, this much fruit or whatever it is that we're talking about. And you're like, I don't have room for all this other stuff in my stomach. So eventually, you know, your palate changes so on and so forth. We can talk about that. But if you're like, if, if this is what I have to eat, I'm going to be full before I have room for that other stuff. We don't have to talk about taking it away. It's just less available. Yeah, exactly. Just don't put it in front of you and you won't put it in your mouth. It's the idea that you're not a vacuum cleaner. So you're not going to eat everything that's in front of you. You need to learn to be to have what you need available in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way we approach this is if, if you want to lose weight, we need to make sure that we have a diet that's high in meats and vegetables. And that's pretty much what we're looking at. It's kind of what we're going to eat all the time. So you want like a hunk of proteins the size of your hand, like the palm, mm -hmm. not your hand. And, uh, and you want uh, basically veggies that fill up the rest of your plate. So if your protein's this big, if your plate's this big, your protein's the chunk and then the veggies, the rest of the plate. And I would like to specify on this one, we're talking about uh, weight loss and health, right? So the reason why we're not including fruit is because fruit still has fructose, which although it is better for your body than other sugars, is still a sugar, right? So if we're talking specifically about health and weight loss, emphasis on weight loss, we don't want to be adding that extra sugar in there. And that's why we're talking specifically lean proteins, uh, sources and vegetables. Yeah, exactly. And 
we look at it from the perspective of what's the easiest way to get this in front of someone and get them to follow it in a world where you don't have a lot of time to do hours and hours of meal prep and you don't have a lot of time to think about what you're doing. Anybody can put together a meal that's a hunk of protein and a bunch of veggies. You can almost go to any fast food restaurant and find that now or closely fast food. Don't go to like McDonald's and ask for vegetables because it's yeah. not going to happen. Pizza is not a vegetable, kids. Truth. So uh, when you when you think about that, all it is is meat and veggies, and you just got to be consistent with it. So if you five days a week, meat and veggies, maybe one day you have a little fun. And like Dale, Dale was saying, if you fall off track one time, it's not the end of the world. You don't say, oh, I'm a failure. I completely fell off track, and I, I can't do it anymore. It's, all right, I didn't get what I wanted to do today, but tomorrow I'm going to do it, and then the next day I'm going to do it. And so that's how you have to get in that mindset and put yourself in the mindset of, one failure is okay because I'm going to have a lot more successes after that failure. And I'm going to learn from that failure. Like, why did I fail? Why did I eat the bad foods? Why did that Twinkie look so delicious today? Uh, did my like employees or my coworkers or someone entice me to do it? And then you say, all right, next time I'm going to plan for this. We go to pizza every Friday. So I'm going to make that my one cheat meal. One cheat meal out of all the meals in a week is nothing. Yeah. And the thing is, is there's a, a, one of the big battles we have as coaches with people is like, oh, well, I woke up and I had a muffin with my breakfast. So the whole day essentially was screwed. And I decided to eat bad the whole day. One meal does not affect the rest of your day as drastically as all three meals or whatever it is that you're eating. So if you start the day, if it's lunch, even if it's dinner and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to in super indulge on dessert because I already threw away my day nutritionally by eating sweet rolls those addictive wine sweet rolls with your dinner right um that's not the case right essentially we're talking about uh let's say uh a muffin at breakfast i had an additional 300 uh essentially what we're probably going to talk about inflammatory calories that raised my uh glycemic index uh the rest of the day is shot no it isn't that 300 calories is so much less than adding an extra 3,000 calories during your day by saying the rest of the day is screwed now i'm just gonna eat pizza for lunch and uh, essentially ice cream for dinner yeah, that's huge. Like one little Hawaiian sweet roll in the morning isn't going to ruin your entire day. And like Dale's saying, there's so many more calories available that you're going to eat during the day that can be good calories. Mm -hmm. and we don't want to fixate on calories because fixating on calories will turn you into a crazy person doing the stuff. And it reduces your ability to actually maintain this long term just because it's so much more difficult to actually watch and pay attention to. And then all you get fixated is on those calories. So just make sure that you understand that one little thing isn't going to ruin everything. You can get through this. You just got to put yourself in that positive mindset. I failed today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be successful, and tomorrow, I'm going to make it better. And that's weight loss in a nutshell. It's just to stick with veggies and meat, hunk of meat this big, rest of your whole plate veggies. And if you can stick with that and be consistent with that, nine times out of ten, you're going to see weight loss unless we have some major autoimmune problems. Yeah, what's nice about uh, this protocol as well is we're not talking about portion control, right? So for somebody like me specifically, I have real issues with portion control. We can talk about my diet. And again, my diet doesn't apply to everyone, but I eat 10 to 12 pounds of food a day. And for somebody like me, uh, in the interest of whatever it is, or, or somebody who just has an issue with portion control, you can eat as essentially as many vegetables as you want. We don't have to talk about the caloric intake because it's so low, Um and then we're getting the rest of our, our good calories as well, uh, filled by that lean protein source. Yeah, exactly. So we do have a Stone Age Fuel weight loss guide. It's a little PDF we made. So if you want that, just shoot, comment on this or shoot us an email. We'll send it over to you. So now thinking about the other group of people, there's two more subsets, three more subsets of people we have to talk about. 
there's the athletic protocol we'll talk about now. We'll probably branch into kids with athletics because kids are closely related to what the athletic protocol looks like. Mm -hmm. We don't like to put kids on a diet. So when we look at the athletic protocol, what our goal here is to fuel for performance. So our goal isn't necessarily to fuel for weight loss or to fuel for autoimmune or general health. Athletic performance is to fuel you fuel you to be better in your athletics. So it's going to be a lot different than what a weight loss protocol looks like. And we organize this with meat. We want to eat vegetables. We're going to include starch like sweet potatoes. Even regular potatoes are okay in this. We're going to include fruits. And we like to include like white rice because sometimes we need to include a filler in the style of diet because these a lot of these are athletic potential people are skinny people and they need to eat a lot more to bulk up or they're using a lot more energy in like their endurance events. And they're swimming and running and biking or whatever, and they need to eat a lot more food to compensate for the deficient they're putting the, themselves in when they exercise so hard. Yeah. And essentially the, uh, when it comes to rice and adding starches and, and more fruit, we're talking about, uh, refilling or refueling glycogen stores when it comes to athletic performance. So we're adding, uh, essentially we're turning it into high calorie versus low calorie for, for weight loss. Yeah, exactly. So, and there's really no, we don't necessarily fixate on calories as much. Yeah. We will put a number on like the amount of protein and the amount of carbs you take in. Like we'll put our athletic performance people on one gram, per, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, or two to three grams of carbohydrates per pound of body weight based on the level of their activity. We always start in the one and two and then move up to the 1.5 and three if we need to, if they have a really high level of output and they're sluggish or they're falling apart or they're not working well. Uh, but when before you decide to increase your caloric intake when you're tired and not feeling it, make sure that you're not overtrained and that you're actually sleeping because in any protocol, if you're not sleeping, you're not going to lose weight, you're not going to see performance and you're going to fall apart. Yeah, essentially, uh, I don't really like to use this word a lot of the time, but it's ignorant to think that your nutrition is going to make up for uh, lack of proper recovery or good sleep. Um, There is no uh, substitute for getting good rest and making sure that you're properly recovering outside of your nutrition as well. Yeah, exactly. So if you're doing two, three, four workouts a day, you're a competitive swimmer, runner, weightlifter, CrossFit athlete, you're going to be doing a high workload and a high output. So you need to make sure your sleep is on point. And then we can start worrying about your caloric intake and how much we need to actually consume for performance. But start off at the level of one gram per pound of body weight for protein, and then two grams per pound of body weight for carbohydrates. And that's a pretty good zone to be in. Make sure your protein comes from your, if you're not eating like grass-fed beef and stuff like that, keep your meats pretty lean. Mm -hmm. If you are eating grass-fed, you want the fatty cut because that's where all your omega-3 fatty acids are coming from. Mm -hmm. If you're, you're, in in terms of your carbohydrates, you're going to consume this from rice, like we said, starches, sweet potatoes, white potatoes are even okay in this uh, scenario, and fruits. Yeah, and you want that, you want the, what we were just talking about, the fruit, the sweet potato, and the regular potatoes um, to come after, or rice as well, I don't know if I include it. Uh, you want that to come after your vegetables. Vegetables are the f- most important source for your carbohydrate. And I know on the food pyramid, it doesn't say uh, that vegetable is a carbohydrate. It is a carbohydrate, and that's where we're getting all our good vitamins and minerals as well. And we're keeping everything else running smooth. Yeah, exactly. And then in terms of supplements for competitive athletes, what we like to see is if you're in a power strength sport, like crossfit or weightlifting or powerlifting or anything like that sprinting sprinting we like to see volleyball any of these explosive hip strength sports we like to see branch chain amino acids actually these are good for anything but they're one of the biggest things it's more important to me to get a branch chain amino acid than a protein so Mm -hmm. you want 10 to 20 grams of branch chain amino acids probably distributed after your workout Uh, i would keep it at least three or four hours 
before you actually go to bed because your BCAAs will interfere with tryptophan, so it will cause problems sleeping at first. Mm -hmm. So make sure you don't take these right before bed. So take them like right after your workout, and then maybe a couple hours after the next workout or all at once. Just make sure it's not before bed. Next thing we like to look at, especially in strength power sports, is uh, creatine. Mm-hmm. And we don't use creatine like before and after our workouts, like it's going to make us crazy people unable to smash barbells against the wall. Yeah. We use creatine as a growth promoter to enhance the secretion of human growth hormone while we're sleeping. So you want to take your creatine 10 to 20 grams while you, right before you go to bed. And that's going to release that growth hormone and mimic the anabolic potential of high intensity exercise while you sleep. Right. And when it comes to youth in this case, uh, if we're looking at uh, the studies and stuff like that, essentially creatine uh, in, in most cases is only going to benefit athletes over the age of 18. Uh, when you're under the age of 18 or essentially you're going through puberty, you're going to be producing as much as your body can do on its own anyways. Um, so for, for anybody after that, um, or once you start to increase uh, your training volume and stuff like that over the age of 18, that's when you can start putting that creatine in. And for those who have a fear, creatine is the singular most studied uh nutritional supplement for athletes in the history of supplements. Uh, There is nothing dangerous as long as you're going through uh, a certified company that's producing a a good creatine monohydrate. Uh, And essentially anyone in the community who's going through the reviews uh, is going to tell you whether or not it's a supplement you want to be taking. Exactly. And the biggest thing we see that gets a problem manifested about creatine is because irresponsible coaches in like high school football and stuff like that have their kids take a bunch of it and then go out in the heat and then mm-hmm. they get overworked and they, they kill themselves because of that. So make sure that you're, when you're doing this, it's not a problem. If you do it responsibly, don't mm-hmm. take creatine and then go do a two hour workout, a hundred degree heat with no water. Yeah. It, it essentially the best ways to do it is to take 20 grams just before you go to sleep, go to sleep, wake up, feel great, train, repeat. Exactly. Sleep, train, eat, repeat. It's my life. That's right. It's good times. <laughs> so when we, uh, so the auto, the athletic protocol is not really that difficult. The hardest part about this is just consuming the calories you need to consume to make sure that you're always you're always full, you're always recovered, and you're always healthy. We need to get out of the calories in, calories out mindset in terms of athletic performance. We just need to eat and fuel for performance. So. You need your meat, your starches, like Dale was saying, starches post-workout if you can. Mm-hmm. You have like 30 minutes. You probably have about an hour. I know there's this mystical 30-minute window that everybody talks about, but there's always the metabolic a metabolic window. Yeah. There's <laughs> always a give or take, though. Remember, science is – it has a standard deviation that we can work with. Mm-hmm. So you want to get those post-workout. Uh, most of your carbohydrates should probably come post-workout so you can utilize it in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Your veggies maybe can come before, but stick with that. Uh, most of your stuff like that post-workout and you should be okay. And that's athletic. If you want a copy of the athletic protocol, we have that as well. Yeah. And I do want to hit one last thing uh, before we move on. And we, we've been saying calories a lot. Uh, we're not ever putting like an exact number uh, unless somebody comes in and they really want to hammer down on it. It's as if you're an athlete, eat until you're full and eat when you're hungry. Uh, just make sure that you're picking from healthy choices. And even for the weight loss, again, we talked about not regulating, not having to regulate portion control. If we're talking specifically about uh, like the amount of protein that we're eating and then filling the rest of your plate with veggies. As soon as you're full, you're eating low calorie foods. Just eat till you're satiated uh, and you're going to find eating high fiber foods uh, like vegetables is going to keep you satiated longer. And We don't really have to talk about specific on the dot numbers of calories. Yeah, exactly. And make sure, especially on the weight loss crowd, make sure you're not skipping meals because you think you shouldn't eat or because you have some preconceived preconceived notion that you've eaten too much or that you shouldn't eat for the rest of the day. Like Dale was saying, it's eat when you're hungry, don't eat when you're not. And when you're going throughout the day, that there's two kinds of people. There's nibblers 
and there's consumers. Like I'm a nibbler, I'll eat six or seven times a day, but super small meals because that's kind of how I flow and how my tiny little belly works. Meals I'm, are- I'm a consumer. I eat four <laughs> very large meals a day. Uh, essentially wake up, it's like a pound of fruit, and then three, uh, two to three pound meals after that throughout the day. Yeah, so just know that different people, like we're saying, have different ways they're going to do things. And the nibblers are going to eat a lot, consume or eat a little bit, a lot throughout the day. Consumers are going to eat a lot, a few times throughout the day. But either way, you're going to get close to the same amount of calories as the other person gets. But remember, it's based off your goals and where you're at. And what your needs are. Everybody's body is different. Exactly. And it's how you feel. Do you feel good? Cool. Is your athletic performance good? Great. Are you losing weight? Yes. Cool. If not, okay, what do we need to do? What's going on? Why are we... Why are we not doing this? What's happening? Mm -hmm. Write down your food for me. Let's look at it. And uh, a journal and a a log of what you're eating is actually a really useful tool because it holds you accountable to eat healthy. And you're actually conscious and you can see what you're eating all the time. And if you can see what you're eating, you're going to look back and be like, oh, damn, I had 17 donuts yesterday. They were delicious. But it also keeps your coach from guessing. So if you're working with a good coach uh, and you're not keeping a food log and you come in, you're like, well, this is basically what I ate. That doesn't give me the answers that I need to be able to best provide a service to you in the interest of nutrition and make sure that I know what specifically, because I can test individuals, and this is what is specifically causing your issues, be able to eliminate that or supplement it. Yeah, exactly. So write it down, keeps you accountable. If you have a coach or you want someone to look at it, then they have something to base it off of instead of just blanket. I saw this on men's health stuff. Yeah. And we're all... Not in the interest of shaming, but it's also easy to go back through and say, hey, we knew we probably shouldn't have been eating this at this time. Uh, and we can look back at why. So like if you didn't sleep the night before and you're like, oh, well, I had to have a muffin when I woke up. I was dying for a muffin. It's probably because you didn't sleep. Why yeah. didn't we sleep? I had coffee at 2 o'clock the afternoon before. And I was awake all the time. Yeah. So anyways, it, it just gives answers to yourself and to other people. And you can look back and it makes it a lot easier to figure out what your problems are and how to fix it. Yeah. And in terms of sleep, think about it this way. The less you sleep, the more hungry you're going to be throughout the day. There's, there's diff- different hormones that are involved in this. So if you don't sleep very much, you're going to be more hungry to compensate for that lack of sleep. If you sleep a lot, you're going to be less hungry because you actually have that good amount of sleep. And it's called le- ghrelin and leptin. Yeah, and with less sleep, not only are we going to be more hungry, but we're going to be craving high uh, glycemic or high sugary foods to boost our, our energy, which is only going to be short term. But that's what your body's going to want. It's going to crave sweets. Exactly. You don't want those sweet. They are delicious, but we shouldn't always eat them. Essentially, if you have a sweet tooth, find a fruit that kills your sweet tooth. That's right. For me, it's berries. Yeah. Oh, God. I love berries. Blueberries. So, which one do you like? Oh, strawberries. Oh, blueberries and strawberries. We're blue and red. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I like to interrupt people as well. Continue, please. Oh, it's fun. It's a conversation. (laughs) Something like that. So uh, let's look at the kids now. So kids Mm -hmm. are extremely similar to the athletic protocol because we don't want them to get fixated on a diet. We don't want kids to be thinking about weight loss. And we don't, we, we pretty much don't want kids to have problems, especially young girls, because they already have so many problems with societal expectations and how mean kids are in high school. So what yeah. we want to do is we want to get kids organized into eating just a hunk of meat, which any kind of hunk of meat is fine. Just eat a hunk of meat, veggies and fruits. They can have starches. They can have white rice and all those things. And if you stick with that kind of a, a healthy eating plan for kids, they're going to be a lot more successful and they're going to see it as something that's beneficial for them. And it gives them a good variety. You just don't eat the bad stuff. Don't eat the processed foods that are processed being like hot Cheetos and all the garbage that's available in their school lunch line. Yeah. Essentially anything that comes in a a bag is bad. 
right? Like, uh, let's be honest there. But when it comes to kids, uh, we even sometimes talk about the, the biggest thing is making sure that they eat. Because at lunchtime, the big thing uh, that seems to be an issue is kids want to go straight to playing or they want to go hang out with their friends or in high school, their homework. Uh, to some of them, it takes a superior level of uh, expectation. So they just don't eat. They don't care. They don't feel hungry or whatever it is. We want to make sure that they're eating regularly uh, and that they're not skipping meals if they're hungry and they're not prioritizing other things over their food. So making sure that when they get up, they at least put, you know, something in their stomach. We're talking about, uh, whatever it is that we can find that they're willing to eat within a, a certain healthy range of protein with some carbohydrate, same thing for lunch, same thing for dinner, at least get them e eating regularly. So it's not like, oh, well, I, the only time I eat during the day is when I get home from school. I essentially overload uh, right after school on a whole, you know, 2000 calories and then go do my homework and go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Get them eating somewhat healthy foods. If they go to a friend's house and have fun, that's fine. You shouldn't make a kid eat healthy even when they go to a friend's house or saying no, because the way kids work is if they're, if another kid thinks the kid's weird, then they're mean to each other. So you want to reduce the incidence of being mean to each other. So you just let them have fun when they're not at the house, when they're home, they eat healthy. Maybe they're at school, they eat healthy. And then you just like Dale saying, just get them eating. That's one of the biggest problems we see is they don't eat because they're, they already have to wake up at ungodly hours in the mm -hmm. morning that are, that they can't, they can barely handle. Then they have to get off out of school. They have to go home or they go to their sports. So they're so busy. They don't eat till dinner sometimes. And so we just want to get them out of that mindset and get them into actually just eating something that's mostly healthy. Yeah. I mean, it, again, mostly healthy. We, we haven't mentioned uh, grains in this a lot because we don't like to talk negatively about foods. Um, but when it comes to kids, we'll even allow a little bit of uh, like a, hey, a sandwich. If you're going to make sure that you're eating some sort of refined grain, though, let's stick with a better one. Let's go with wheat. Eat a sandwich at lunch if that's of food that works for you. You've got protein and carbohydrate in there. Um, and it's something that's easy to make. It doesn't take a lot of time. You can prep it, put it in your own bag or lunchbox and take it with you. Um, when it comes to breakfast, hey, just make something for yourself the night before. Uh, it makes it a lot easier when you wake up, you grab it real quick, you eat it while you're doing your makeup or whatever the case is. Um, and then you've got breakfast and lunch covered and hopefully uh, you help just help your parents with dinner or whatever the dinner situation is or works out. Yeah, exactly. Teach kids to prep and they'll start prepping themselves. It's just getting them in the mindset to do it. So the last thing we talk about is the most difficult protocol. It's one we don't generally outwardly recommend people do if they don't have someone helping them or mm -hmm. at least monitoring what they're doing is the autoimmune protocol. And we see a lot of people with, especially here at the gym, because we get a lot of people with these problems is autoimmune disease. So we get people with a type two diabetes. What have you seen, Dale? Uh, I've seen fibromyalgia. Uh, we deal with chronic inflammation uh, all the time where we can address that nutritionally. Uh, fibromyalgia, chronic. Um, we have a bunch of them. Yeah, we've got MS. Oh, and multiple sclerosis. That was a big one. Mm -hmm. We actually just got through that. That was pretty exciting. Or at yeah. least put it into remission quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But so that we have, we get a lot of the, these people who come in and they're told by their doctors generally there's not really a lot they, that you can do because when, you, when someone diagnoses you with autoimmune disease, what it really means is we don't know what's going on. We just know your immune system's attacking itself. So mm -hmm. good luck. Hopefully someday it fixes itself, but here's something to put a Band-Aid on. Yeah, and the doctors, whether they're good or bad, in a lot of cases are also locked into a corner but between pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies where recommending nutrition is an alternative medicine and they're super liable. Uh, and yes, we do, we do put a lot of blame on doctors here for certain stuff. Um, 
But in the case of nutrition being recommended, sometimes to them, it's not even a thought or sometimes they're not allowed to recommend it other than saying, hey, you should go see somebody about your nutrition. But in a lot of cases, we've also got dietitians who are on the wrong page when it comes to autoimmune as well. Uh, And we want to get to a place where we can sit down and have a legitimate talk about how nutrition can affect uh, being able to benefit your autoimmune disease. Yeah. So basically, when we look at autoimmune disease, we're not necessarily ever sure what's actually causing the problem in the interaction, but it's generally something that you're eating that's causing problems and it's repeated problems over time. And those repeated problems cause basically a hole to be punched in your gut. And then Mm -hmm. you're essentially pooping in your blood. Thanks Dean Lim for giving me that little term. (laughs) So uh, what happens is when you do that, you're, you're basically your body starts recognizing what's coming in like gluten, for an example, for people who have celiac disease, it recognizes that as a problem. And so it starts attacking it. And then every time it comes in, it starts attacking it. Then you start punching holes in your wall, your cell walls. And then all of a sudden now you have problems and you have leaky gut and you have all these issues that are manifesting because of your body essentially attacking itself because it sees a food as a foreign invader. And that food has been consumed all the time. So your body continuously attacks itself. Yeah. And what we talk about when it comes to putting somebody on autoimmune is essentially zeroing, zeroing out your microbiome, regulating gut bacteria and what identifying what is the source that's causing your issues and being able to eliminate that uh, and find supplementation if it's something important to where we can get the proper uh, nutrient into your body. Exactly. So it's generally it's got to be a shotgun approach because we don't know what it's going to be. So. We're going to eat your meats. We're mostly going to eat veggies. We can include fruits in autoimmune protocol because we see less problems with fruits for some reason with people. Uh, We are going to eliminate things like eggs. We see eggs cause a lot of problems in people with autoimmune disease, nightshades, so tomatoes, eggplants. All peppers, anything squash. Yeah. Those are those cause all kinds of problems, especially capsaicin and peppers. It's the thing that makes them hot. Mm -hmm. They generally cause problems. So we're going to eliminate all of these foods, stick with nothing for 30 days, then we're going to slowly reintroduce each one of these foods that we eliminate mm-hmm. over the course. So say you'd go 30 days on a strict autoimmune diet. Now you're going to bring back one food for a week. Within two days, you're going to start to get a reaction and a problem. You're going to recognize this. Then you say, okay, that's a major problem. Let's get rid of this. Mm-hmm. So then now you, you either bring it in or you get rid of it. You add another food in and then nothing happens. Okay, let's keep this one. Bring another one in. Oh my gosh, I almost died. Okay, get rid of that one. That's a real bad one. Then you write down everything you had a reaction to and everything you had a problem with. And then you take that and now you have a little log and you know everything that was a problem and you have your little autoimmune diary. And over the course of a year, we can probably figure out what's going on and work to a position to where you know how to eat, you know what to eat, and you know what's going to cause problems. And that way, uh, depending on what type of person you are and again, what your goals are, you can either have the understanding of, okay, when I eat this, I'm going to feel bad or... I'm not going to eat this so I don't feel bad. <laughs> exactly. We get people a lot. I had a girl one time who came in and said, before I, I came in here and I started working with you guys, I used to, every time I eat, I had a stomach ache. And it just got to the point where I didn't want to eat anymore because every single time I would be sick and I would be just be miserable. So eating was a huge problem. And within the six months we had her, we had her, she was like, hey, I don't have problems with my stomach anymore. I don't, I don't feel sick when I eat. And now I'm comfortable and I'm, this is super big for me. This is huge. It wasn't even a thing of weight loss. It was a thing of being pain-free and just being happy and not having your body feel like crap when it's doing something natural. 
Exactly. And the, when I was talking about how I've dealt with chronic inflammation before is uh, a lot of it comes back to, you know, gluten and refined carbohydrate and stuff like that. There's a lot of people who essentially have good mobility. They don't have range of motion restrictions. And with five minutes of instruction, their movement looks great, but they still suffer from chronic inflammation. We're able to address that by saying, hey, take these foods out. And all of a sudden their joints feel great. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't even know how this happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, it's because we cut out foods that were causing your inflammation. Yeah. And, and just- well, in that way, we also don't have to take over the counter prescription or we're not addicted to some sort of Vicodin supplement for our back. That's true. Or we reduce the amount we're taking over time in conjunction with working with your doctor. So we say, hey, your doctor's got you on this dose. Would you mind if we talk to them? Due to mm-hmm. like HIPAA, we can't actually talk to them without your permission. Mm-hmm. Talk to the doctor. Okay, we got this much. We're working. They're feeling better. Let's cut it down. Okay, they're feeling better. Let's cut it down. And a girl whose thyroid was in the nines and we got her down to about a, a one on the level, which is normal. And uh, it just took a long time of working with the diet, fixing stuff, taking stuff away, putting stuff in and working with her doctor to make sure that we were always on the right pathway. And that's it's really what autoimmune is. It's shotgun approach, get rid of everything, reintroduce things slowly and see what happens. And the big thing I like to talk about there is the relationship that your coach can have with your primary care physician. Uh, it's overlooked so much when it comes to the health community. Oh, I have a personal trainer. Your personal trainer, your health coach, whoever it is, should have a relationship with everybody else who's in your, everybody else in your health corner, whether that's your chiropractor, or physical therapist, uh, your primary care physician, your, I don't know, orthopedist, whatever it is, any surgery that you've had. Uh, all those people should be in communication so they can best provide you a quality service and best benefit. Exactly. You're, if you, a real coach, is going to be, we call them coaches for life mm-hmm. because they're in contact with not only you, but they're in contact with all your healthcare providers, your, if you have a nutritionist, your physical therapist, anybody you work with is working in conjunction with that. And that's true integrative healthcare. It's mm-hmm. the healthcare industry combined with the health and fitness and wellness industry to make sure that everything is working in the right way and that everybody's on the same page and not everybody's fighting with each other over concepts and issues and theories. Or you're just not getting conflicting ideas from two different people and then you're trying to figure it out in the middle. Exactly. So when you think about autoimmune, you just start with meat. You can have some fruits. Usually white rice is well tolerated on an autoimmune uh, problem or uh, autoimmune disease. We want to get rid of, like we were saying, eggs are generally a big problem. Nightshades, all peppers and spices normally we need to get rid of. And then most of your wheat-based products we want to get rid of as well because we don't know what your actually, what your problem is. It's not that we want to make everybody eat like a paleo diet. So we want to see what is wrong with you. And when you look at the prescriptions on how to fix an autoimmune disease, even in the healthcare industry, it's always a shotgun approach. It's stop eating things and let's reintroduce them slowly and see what happens. That includes nuts as well, I believe. Yes, nuts are terrible. Um, first. So, and yeah, we just want to make sure that we have the availability to remove those things and to go back over what we were talking about earlier, test them one at a time to see what is causing your issues so that we're not taking everything away from you the rest of your life. We're finding out what the problem is and eliminating it. Exactly. And that's pretty much our protocols. We've got weight loss, we've got autoimmune, we've got the athletic, and then how the way children should eat. And we do have these all mapped out. If you want a copy, just shoot us an email, mm-hmm. info at stoneagefuel.com or comment on this video. If you're listening to this, shoot us an email. If you have questions, post them in the comments or email us if you're listening to this. And I hope you enjoyed this. We'll be back next week with episode four with uh, an exciting topic. I don't know what it is yet, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah, it'll be something. Yeah. Dale's going to be pumped. Tell him, Dale. Yeah. So until next week, see ya. Bye. Say bye, Dale. I said bye. Show some enthusiasm. Okay. More. Be happy.
Do a jumping jack. No. Come on. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was exciting. <laughs> See you guys. 